Hey, what's happening? It's me, Remy. You might know me as Dami, you might know me as Chaco Thunder 28, but I'm here to say what's up, and I want to say welcome to the gospel of anime. I'm so glad that you guys are here. I'm so glad that we can link up once again for another week. Uh, again, thank you for listening. I don't think you guys know precisely how much it means to me that you guys take time out of your day to listen to me talk, listen to some of the revelation I get from anime, uh, and some of the revelation I just get from life, from the Holy Spirit, all of the above. So thank you so very much for your presence. So here at the Gospel of Anime podcast, we use the fiction of anime to highlight the truth of God. So let's get active. Most often we have two segments. We have an off-topic segment, and then we have a segment in which we take a trip to what we call the hyperbolic time chamber. During our off-topic segments, we talk about something that might not exactly have much to do with anime. However, uh, it might be something I saw that week, something popular in the media, something that I truly believe will still bless you, though. And when we take a trip to the hyperbolic time chamber, boy, do we get active. So, if you're familiar with Dragon Ball Z, you may have heard this term before, hyperbolic time chamber. It is a room located on what we call the lookout in that show. It is quite literally where the god of the earth stays. And on this lookout, there's a room where time and space is distorted. It's a place built for training. It's a place built uh, for the fighters of earth to prepare for battle. In this show, as soon as you step into the hyperbolic time chamber and you step onto the training ground, you experience gravity 10 times that of earth. You also experience wildly fluctuating temperatures, and when you are there, chances are you will be uncomfortable. But with that said, the environment is specifically tailored to make you stronger. And that is what I'm looking for here. Although some of our episodes might be a little bit hard to fully accept, they might be a little bit challenging when it comes to the way you choose to live life right now. I truly believe your time listening to this podcast will help you get stronger. Today, when we take a trip to the hyperbolic time chamber, we will be discovering the truth of God through the anime Black Clover. We've chatted about it before last season, but it's these days a very popular fan favorite anime, and it's one that I very much enjoy. And I truly believe this session will bless you. But before we do there, well, sorry, before we get there, we have a little bit of an off-topic segment. Off-topic? So, some of you may know that I'm a voice actor. I, in addition to physical therapy, I make some money through doing commercials, animation, narration, all sorts of stuff like that that require the use of my voice in order to communicate a message or in order to uh, uh, convey a theme uh, commercially, sometimes, all, all sorts of types of voiceover. And there's this online co coach. He's a, he's a voiceover coach. His name is Bill DeWeese. And he does something called the, the morning huddle. It's a weekday morning uh, stream on YouTube in which he, I guess, gives tips and tricks to improve yourself as a voice actor. And during this one particular session, I was listening and this coach, Bill, 
he mentioned that people, especially athletes, get paid exorbitant amounts of money. And as a result, it gets really easy in our culture to see your value in terms of dollar bills. See your value in terms of what someone is willing to pay for you. And Bill kind of echoes that statement. It gets really easy for one to say, hey, I'm not doing that great as a voice actor. I'm not doing that great in this way, shape, or form. But realistically speaking, you are worth what someone is willing to pay for you for. And although sometimes that's not the best news to hear, although it gets easy to be discouraged because no one has reached out to you or ran up to you just begging to pay you money, However, don't write yourself off just yet when it comes to the way someone might gauge your worth. Regardless of the ethics of the tendency to equate an individual's financial position to their worth, and regardless of your own personal financial position, it's really easy to feel like you aren't worth very much. Even some of the richest people on this planet have unalived themselves or committed suicide uh, because they've learned that life has really not much to do with the amount of money they have in the bank or how much someone is willing to pay them for an acting role or pay them for a speaking engagement, all that stuff. No matter how much these individuals added to culture or media or society, they determined their own value. And in unfortunate cases, they didn't think they were worth very much and took themselves out of this world. But I submit to you that some will say, as human beings, we are nothing special. We are all fairly average. But truth be told, you do have value. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised about how valuable you truly are. I agree. You are about as worth as someone is willing to pay for you. But... If man won't pay what you are worth, I know someone higher that already paid a crazy price to purchase you. God already has gone out of his way to make sure that you were paid for. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you after living a sinless life, after performing miracles, after being what some would call the most valuable human being to walk this earth. That was the price that our God Jehovah was willing to pay for you and willing to pay for your sins. God chose to purchase you. I think Coach Bill, I think he was right about you being worth what someone is willing to pay for you. And Jesus was willing to pay with his perfect life. He was willing to pay with his blood, his sweat, his strength, his embarrassment, his sacrifice, and his death. Not to mention his resurrection and his miracles. This was effort. This was payment in which he gave in order to pay for your freedom, for your life. So remember your value. You were paid for by the most valuable human being on this planet. And I'm thankful that you're still here. Well, thank you for joining me for that off-topic segment. 
Now let's take a quick trip, or maybe not so quick of a trip, to the hyperbolic time chamber. So I've talked about this anime before. It's called Black Clover. I am a personal fan of this show. It's super encouraging, super cool. Uh, enjoyable characters. Yeah, the main character yells a lot, but we're, we're not going to get into that today. But before we dive into the anime, I want to talk about myself a little bit. So right now, me, Dami, Remy, I'm currently in a season of my life where I'm trying to I'm trying to stand in the gap for the people I care about. And that's a lot easier said than done. Especially when the people I care about, they don't exactly know how to ask for help. You kind of have to sniff around for the signs that they need a little bit of assistance. And I, I can't really say that like I'm any better. Sometimes I struggle to ask for help too. But many people struggle asking for help. I might just be saying that so I don't feel alone in this case, but I think the reason many people struggle to ask for help is because they might not be sure that the people around them, the people that they believe care about them, can even help in this situation. And I can't say that I'm overly surprised by that. And sometimes I believe that many of us just don't want to be a burden. Standing in the gap for one another might be a thankless job, but it's necessary for many miracles and honestly just sustaining good friendships. It reminds me of the Black Bulls when the Black Bulls scoured the kingdom and other kingdoms for Asta so he could receive his healing. And I promise I'm not going to leave you guys in the dark. I'm going to chat a little bit about what the show is, okay? We've talked about Black Clover before. We've talked about how our grimoire, the book that we're called to carry on our hips and carry in our hearts, has immense power. How the sword of the spirit that resides in that book can give us power the way the main character, Asta, has power. But in the event that you didn't get the chance to hear about that, uh, hear that podcast or hear about that aspect of discovering the gospel in anime or taking that trip to the hyperbolic time chamber, I'm going to just give you the quick run through of what this story is about. So the main character, his name's Asta. Ever since he was a kid, he wanted to be the Wizard King. That is the strongest mage in the country, the one that has all the power to protect. He stands atop the hierarchy of magic knights, the other knights that are called to guard the kingdom go on missions to make sure that the people of this kingdom are safe. Asta does not have very good odds when it comes to him becoming the the Wizard King. First things first, Asta is a commoner. Commoners, it's almost unheard of for commoners to be magic knights, let alone the Wizard King. It pays, in this world, it pays to have connections, kind of like everyone else. And if you have royal blood or noble blood, you have built-in connections, and you tend to have a little extra magic power. Asta has neither of those. And not only that, he's an orphan. He was not raised with any parents. He was left on the steps of a church to be raised by whoever found him. And I can imagine it. I can imagine one could grow a complex 
a, an easy way to be discouraged at who you are simply because of the circumstances of your birth and upbringing. But if that wasn't enough, Asta also, somehow, some way, is the only person in this entire kingdom that does not have a single drop of magic. In this world, that is more than uncommon, it's unheard of. It's less of an it's less of a matter of if you have magic or not, and more of a matter of how much magic you have. It's assumed that everyone has magic. So people view Asta as practically having a disability. He's beyond abnormal to his peers, let alone the people that he seeks to rub shoulders with in the future. After a miraculous experience in which Asta is granted a grimoire against all odds, one of those books that will help him be stronger, uh, he gains the ability to fight through this book. He ends up getting the, this ability through a sword that this book ejects, and this sword has the capability to slice through magic and reflect magic. And this is, in, this is an invaluable weapon in a world where people only fight with magic. But still, people are a little bit shook. They're a little bit surprised. They almost don't want to trust someone that has no magic at all, someone that can't ride a broom, someone that can't cast any spells, someone that all he can do is swing a sword. But Asta, being a good steward of his body and his circumstances, has been working. Brother's been doing his push-ups. He's been doing his jumping jacks. He's made sure that his body is in the best state for whatever blessing would be handed his way he prepared his storehouses for whatever was coming and when it came he was in the optimal position to make the most use out of it after this whole sword moment with this book he got he tests to be a magic knight and against all odds he gets selected however he gets selected by the worst of the worst magic knight squad they're called the Black Bulls. These Black Bulls and their leader are the hooligans of the Magic Knights. They're the ones that people, the only squad that people don't really respect. But Asta is just happy to be included. And though the circumstances probably aren't what they look like, though this situation probably won't be the easiest and most straightforward path to being the Wizard King, Asta is pleased nonetheless. And he is still willing to give it his absolute all. After Asta beats out some nobles and beats out some royals to get into the Magic Knights, he gains this relationship, or these relationships, I should say, with the members of his squad. Asta learns with them. He grows with them. They start to accept him, and they start to train with him. They start to... They start to evolve together and in the same way iron sharpens iron while Asta gets stronger somehow so do they the squad that was once very comfortable being mediocre very comfortable being average or even below average somehow starts doing things that are exceptional somehow they grow to the point of being second right under the best magic night squad and I believe this is due to their proximity to the excellence of Asta. Asta, with these newfound comrades that propel him forward, is 
feeling ready to take everything on. And thank God he was ready because what happens next is what Dr. Darius Daniels calls the backside of the blessing. They grew. They got so many stars. They did they did whatever it takes to be the second best squad in the kingdom. And now they have been entrusted with a task that the Wizard King can't just trust to anyone. They are commanded to go to an underwater temple in order to acquire a stone that their enemies are looking for. Their enemies want to do something to harm the kingdom. And even though they don't know what it is yet, they know it is not good news. So the Black Bulls have been tasked with going, retrieving it, and bringing it back to the kingdom to protect from their enemies. So they go. Do what you would expect good knights to do. Fulfill their mission. Uh, especially with this new reputation of newfound excellence in notoriety and all these achievements they've gotten. They have this responsibility and they have the trust of the Wizard King. So why wouldn't they go? They go and these people at the Underwater Kingdom say, Hey, we can't just give this to you for free. Let's have a little bit of a battle. Let's battle for it. While they're having this friendly yet competitive competition, their party gets crashed by their true enemy, the Eye of the Midnight Sun. These enemies are strong. And they folded all of the the people from this underwater temple, leaving just the black bulls to do whatever is in their power to not only protect this stone, but to just protect themselves, just to keep breath in their lungs. But something amazing happens. Honestly, this is the moment where the black bulls demonstrate the capacity to push past their limits. They work as a team in an attempt to achieve victory. And it is one of the most beautiful things to behold because it is truly an example of iron sharpening iron. Each black bull in this, in this scene, they're in perfect sync. They're attacking the enemy with staggered timing to make sure they're maximizing their offense. They're covering each other's blind spots and they're creating openings to utilize each other's gifts. They're doing this to the fullest and the Black Bulls, after blood, sweat, and tears, and honestly, a couple near-death experiences somehow succeed. And they beat this enemy. But this victory was not without cost. Asta, the protagonist of this story, everyone's favorite character, the one that has the determination to stop at nothing to be the Wizard King, he leaves this battle with an injury in both arms. And like I previously stated, he fights with swords. At this point, he has two. He utilizes both arms to protect himself and the people he loves and to protect the kingdom from the enemy. But this wound left his arms useless. And not only that, it left a curse on his arms that state that it will never be used again. Neither of those arms. Even the best doctors in the kingdom fear that Asta will never be able to heal from this injury. But honestly, this is when it gets slick. This is when we see the family that is the Black Bulls come together and stand in the gap for Asta. But it's about that time we slide a little bit of the word of God into this. 
If you open up the Bible to Luke 5.17, you get privy to a situation in which Jesus is doing his thing, you know, preaching, teaching, blessing people, letting them know uh, what it is to be a part of the kingdom, working miracles and healing others. But then what do we have here? We see a couple of gentlemen, I should say a few gentlemen, trying to get to Jesus. And the crowd is too thick. At this point, Jesus is, he's known for doing miracles. He's got a little bit of celeb status. And uh, people are, people understand that there is a healer nearby, someone who has performed miracles and someone who they can trust to, to make a difference in their friend's life. These gentlemen are carrying on a mat their friend, their crippled friend, I should say. This friend has not walked in years, if at all. These men, while trying desperately on behalf of their friend to get to Jesus, they don't stop and turn away once they see the crowd, once they try and fail to get into the house that Jesus is in. So what do they do? These guys go through the ceiling. They climb onto the roof and lower down their crippled friend in front of Jesus. And... I love this so much. It gives me chills every time I talk about this because realistically, I believe we all aspire to have relationships with people that will go that far for us. And I also believe that we aspire to be the type of friend that goes that far for the people that we love and care about. These men, they legitimately did that. They legitimately went out of their way to do something that some would find outrageous, also their friend could meet the healer. This is a lot like what the Black Bulls did for Asta. The moment they found out that Asta needed healing and their kingdom did not have the capacity to bring him that healing, the Black Bulls took action. Like the men that brought this gentleman at the feet of Jesus through the ceiling, through the roof, the black bulls went out of their way. They went to the ends of the earth to bring Asta healing. They essentially stood in the gap for him. Some of them went to libraries to look for hidden gems of healing. Some of them traveled to distant places for insight into different medical techniques. And one of them, she even confronted her traumatic past and risked her freedom to bring Asta his healing. This character, her name is Vanessa, and what she did for Asta is hard to believe. It's hard to believe that one would go so far on behalf of someone else, especially someone that she's known for at this point less than a year. But she chose to stand in the gap. She chose to go to the healer on behalf of Asta. This is not unlike what Jesus did for us. He took on the burden of the world's sin, and he wiped the slate clean. He gave us freedom from sin and sickness. He gave, he gave so much just to free us. Though this sounds like a lot for one person to do to someone that they care about, even if you guys do have a good relationship, I want to make it clear. I want to, I want it to make it real. I want it I want to make it practical. I want to give you an example from my own life. I have this friend. He 
He means a lot to me. We've been friends for, at this point, at least 10 years. And he, like Vanessa, and like these gentlemen, gave me access to the healer. He stood in the gap for me. This friend, it's, it, it happened when I was in physical therapy school. When I was in PT school, I had a clinical rotation in a specific city. It was a city that was unfamiliar to me, but it was a city close enough that on the weekends, I could drive back to the city I'm from. The city where my doctor is, the city where my girlfriend was at, the city where all my friends stayed. But it was still at least a three-hour drive to make that. I was born with a condition called sickle cell disease. This disease is characterized by sickled cells, literally the shape of a sickle, that easily clot and can cause, they can cause something called a vaso-occlusive crisis. It's basically tremendous pain that, that there is honestly not very many solutions to outside of just like pain management, hydration, an attempt to dilate the blood vessels. And I found myself in one of these crises in a strange place, in a place that I was unfamiliar with, where my doctor wasn't at. And Truth be told, this condition, unfortunately, is one that many medical professionals feel is subject subjective. The reason why is because you just have to trust that the patient is telling the truth. Because the only evidence of this of the condition is pain. After going to the local hospital and not receiving thorough treatment, I was still in pain. I was still feeling hopeless. I still felt like I had nothing, nothing at my disposal to bring me my healing. And I was praying for an answer. I called my doctor's office and I said, hey, can, can you send my prescription to a hospital or to a pharmacy here? And they said, hey, sorry, because it's out of state, we can't. We can give it to someone who's in town, but we can't, we can't send it all the way over there. And I felt even more hopeless, but this friend, what he did, honestly, I start getting choked up every time I talk about it. He at the time had a, it was a, I think it was a Honda and it was a like 2000 Honda. At the time, this was like a 19 year old car. Actually, I think it was like a 1998. It was like a 21-year-old car. And he knew that the car needed some love and needed some help, and he didn't trust it to drive that far. But when he heard about my predicament, he said, hey, man, call the doctor's office, put my name as one of the people that can pick up your prescription, I'll drive it to you. And I knew <laughs> the state that his car was in, and he knew the state that his car was in. But he said, hey, bro, the way this is going to go is I'm going to pick up that prescription I'm going to bring it to you or my car's going to break down somewhere along the road between me and you. And though I was in the worst pain ever, it touched my heart so much that he was willing to risk his car, risk his safety, spend his time driving three hours from the place he calls home, from the safety of his home with a car he's not really sure about. And meet me where I'm at in my pain. He would go to the doctor's office, go to the healer on my behalf and get me my healing. And he did 
thank be to God, his car made it all the way. And his decision to be used by God in that season is what saved me from my crisis, my physical and metaphorical crisis of pain in this situation. And this is something that I will never forget. This happened like, like four, four to six years ago. But it's something that's always on my mind because it was such a demonstration of God's love. Him sacrificially going to the healer on my behalf and then bringing me my healing. The Bible tells us that we are blessed to be a blessing. And what that essentially means is that the things that we are blessed with, we, it's not 100% for us. It's for us to bless others with on purpose. He, in this season, in that, in that season, in that scenario, was blessed with a car. Yeah, the car was 21 years old. We're not going to talk about it. He still utilized that blessing and the blessing of his free time to drive three hours to me and bring me my healing. And he blessed me with that. Right now, in the season that I'm in, and in the season that this same friend is in, he needs help. He needs someone to stand in the gap for him. He went above and beyond for my safety and my health and my healing. And right now, he needs someone to do the same. But starting out, I really didn't know what or how I would get that job done. How I, how I can look after someone who at this point lives far away, who at this point doesn't have something that I can just go pick up and bring to him. He, he needs more than that. And honestly, I don't feel like this situation is uncommon. I think a lot of times we have people in our life that we know you guys need, you need something. I wish I could give it to you, but I don't have it in my hands right now. I can't pick it up and just drive it on over. But what we can do is we can do what my friend did. We can go to the healer, go to the one that has the power to make a difference, and then go on their behalf in order to bring them that healing, bring them that change, bring them what they're missing. This friend right now, I wouldn't be surprised if he feels like he's drowning. In despair, in pain, he's unsure about his own future, unsure about the future of his family. I would not put it past him considering what he's been through lately. But if I'm being real, despite the challenge of standing in the gap for someone that needs more than medicine, someone that needs something that you can't just give them with your own two hands, I did exactly that. I went to the healer. I prayed. I fasted. I, I had faith for their transformation. And although in our natural world that can seem like it's not enough, I already know the one who is enough. And I believe that the, he has everything under control. Sometimes we have relationships with people that do not have enough faith for themselves. So that's when we have to step up and have faith for them. Last episode, we talked about the shield of faith. And we also talked about how faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I am proud of you for listening this far and for building your faith, for building your understanding, for building your spirit, man. And I believe that your faith 
can make a difference for those that you care about. Today we talked about how Jesus was willing to pay a very great price for you. And also how that price was not just for you. It was for those around you so that you'd be free from sin, free from sickness and infirmity. And that's, that includes infirmity of the mind, infirmity of the body, and infirmity of the spirit. In this season of life, what I've been doing for my friend is going to God regularly with expectation for my friend's healing, especially the healing of his soul, the healing of his thoughts and his mind, and the healing of his body. Something I love about this, this part of Black Clover is from a mile away, it's fairly obvious that Vanessa and Asta, they're on the same team, that they're close. And it's clear simply by watching their behavior. It honestly takes so much love from one person to another to behave like this, to do what she did for him. And that is evident in her behavior. My question to you is, is it evident in your behavior that you are a child of the Most High King? John 13, 34 and 35 says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Some translations say, by the way you love each other. Is the way that you love your brother and sister a demonstration of not just who you are, but whose you are? Do you find yourself standing in the gap often enough for the people you care about? Going to God with faith, with expectation, for the people that you know don't have the strength to do it themselves. One thing I want to add, faith is powerful. Going to God with purpose is powerful. But like I said previously, we are blessed to be a blessing. Sometimes we have the means to be the answer to someone's prayer. But don't take the step ourselves, simply because we say, oh, God will do it. I believe in the Most High King and he can cover them. Nah, homie. God sent you. He sent you to cover them. So you might not be able to have your favorite ramen place that week. Or so you might have to skimp on a week of Netflix. Or a month of Netflix, I should say. If it's worth it, if it demonstrates whose you are by the way you love the people around you, do it. Examine your heart and take that step. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Right now, if you're not really sure whose you are, and you want to be a part of this squad of knights that fight not for the Wizard King, but for the Most High King, I want to give you that chance, the chance to join this family. This family, we look out for one another and we stand in the gap for each other. As stated, Jesus paid the highest price for you, and to accept that free gift of salvation, all you have to do is repeat after me. 
Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. I accept him into my heart. I believe you raised him from the dead. And I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you for saving me, for washing away my sins. I know that I've made mistakes, but now I want you to be Lord of my life. Forgive me. Renew me. Save me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, I want to say congratulations first things first, because this, if you said that for the first time, this is the best decision you have ever made and will ever make. And now you, you've joined, you've joined the right squad today. Forget the Black Bulls. Yo, you are, you are with the Lions of Judah is what I'm going to call this now. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. And if you said that for the first time, I want you to tell someone. Tell your your mommy, your your auntie, your uncle, that that one auntie on the weird side of the family that talks about Jesus sometimes. And I want you to tell me. Slide into my DMs, Choco Thunder Twenty Eight. I am open and I'm willing and I'm ready to hear your testimony about how God has now saved you. Congratulations. But before you go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you for building your shield of faith. And I believe that the best is yet to come for you. Hey, stay blessed and highly favored, y'all. I'm going to catch you later. Peace.